Amen. Thank you, y'all, for joining us this morning. I love that line in the song that he has unending mercy, and it's more than enough. He's more than enough this morning. And uh, it's about to get me tore up, that, that line, that his unending mercy is more than enough. We sang a song this morning, All My Hope. He's a constant Savior, friend forever. He never changes. He never fails. He is our God this morning, and uh, he is trustworthy, and he's uh, still on his throne. As JT was praying, there's, there's trouble in our world today, but our God is a rock, and he is constant. And uh, I'm grateful for that, and I hope you are this morning. And again, thank you for, for joining us. So um, this week, I'm going to go back to a couple weeks ago, and I started with Psalm 105. And if you have a Bible or you have your app, um, your Bible app, you turn there to Psalm 105. We're going to spring from that into a new um, spot today. And uh, Psalm 105, a couple of weeks ago, we used it to go back into the history of the Word of God and to consider God's faithfulness, to consider His promise. That's what Psalm 105 encourages us to do, is to go um, back and see God's faithfulness through every generation and through every time and to understand today that He's worthy of our praise, He's worthy of our obedience, He's worthy of our surrender. He's given us free will this morning. And with our lives, but we, he's worthy that we would take that free will and turn it back around and give it to him. And say, God, you control and you be God, because I understand who you are. Through every generation, he's been constant, he's been faithful, he's revealed himself. And today, in the New Testament, in the church age, he's revealed himself through Jesus Christ. Our peace, our hope, all my hope, as the song says, is in you. All my strength is in you. And that's an echo of this psalm, too, that we seek the Lord, we seek his face, we seek his strength this morning. So um, we'll go to Psalm 105, but uh, before we do, I'm going to just push the pause button and let's just consult the Lord, ask Him to speak through His Word, and let Him see on the inside of us that we might change and go in the direction that He would have us to go to, if that's appropriate this morning. So God, we just come to You and we thank You so much, Lord, for Your Word. Thank You that You are for real, immutable, that You never change. You never cast a shifting shadow, Lord. You are steady as a rock and You are God and You've not left Your throne and therefore You are worthy of our trust. You're worthy of our obedience this morning. God, I pray that you would help us to focus around your word, to focus our hearts and our minds around your word and to know you, to know you well. As the psalm says, that we would just remember your word, that we would tie it like around our necks. God, help us to, to consult you this morning and how you would have us to continue forward in our lives this week. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that all our hope is in you and that that place that our hope is put in is not um, shaky, but it is solid. Lord, thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So going back to Psalm 105, um, it points to God's faithfulness in every generation for all people and all of history. And in this, we can understand that God is for real in control today, even though things don't look like it. We might be able to put our eyes on some different things and say, where is God? Maybe he's lost control. Maybe he let go of things for a minute and let the world run crazy. But God knows what he's doing. And, um, and it's a beautiful thing, the psalm that we're going to look into, the story that we'll break open today. It just proves that he is faithful and he absolutely does know what he's doing. And his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And he knows what he's doing. He is our God. Um, he never changes. He'll continue to fulfill his promises. He'll continue to be in control. He'll never leave us. This does not mean that we will not have trouble. We pointed to Jude last week, and for us to be aware of the prosperity gospel or false doctrines that are out there that would point us to facts um, that are untrue, that tell us that because we have trouble, maybe we don't have enough faith, or maybe... Um, 
Maybe we're not praying enough, or um, maybe we're just not where we should be because we're having trouble, but that's just not the case, and that's definitely opposite of what the Word of God shows us. Um, Life can be full of trouble, but God is not out of control. But in these moments, we remember the big picture. And um, so last week, we talked about the big picture, to take it and understand this idea that God knows what He's doing, and He's got this big picture that we're not always attuned to. We don't always understand what he's doing, but we do understand that he's revealed himself in particular ways, and we should believe him. So last, uh, a couple weeks ago, I used Bob Ross as an example. So if you weren't there last week, I want you to think about this, about Bob Ross again. And uh, from a couple weeks ago, I didn't know so many of you were Bob Ross fans. I had one of our church members send me a picture of a Bob Ross bobblehead sitting on his desk as he was watching service, and I was loving it. Every minute of that. So if you don't know, let me just catch you up to speed real quick. Bob Ross was um, a drill sergeant for 20 years, served in the armed forces, left the armed forces, pursued his dream to paint, and he ended up on TV giving painting tutorials. And um, now you can see a lot of his stuff on Netflix, though he's passed on now. And um, so I was on YouTube just one night just watching random stuff, and I was watching um, a lady try to do a Bob Ross tutorial and uh, he was doing a great job, and it was beautiful, and he was painting the blue sky, and he was getting ready for some water at the bottom, and kind of left this blank space in the middle, and then he took this big black knife, or a knife, and put this big black streak right down the middle, and I found myself thinking, and the Lord spoke to me in that moment, I do believe, according to Psalm 105, you know, and the stories that we'll cover while I'm doing this series, that, uh, you know, I found myself thinking, that big black mark, there's no way No way in the world that Bob is going to be able to take that ugly black mark he just made and make anything beautiful out of that. Um, But anyway, in the end of it, it was a beautiful mountain landscape. Some of the black marks that he used became trees. Some of the, uh, the, that big black mark turned into this mountain landscape. And uh, so I understand that sometimes, and we'll understand from the story today, we understood from Abraham's story last week that God knows what he's doing. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it does not look pretty. But we understand that God is sovereign, he is in control, and he does, in fact, still work all things together to the good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. He is, in fact, still faithful to Proverbs chapter (laughs) 3. When we submit ourselves to him, when we acknowledge him in all of our ways, he does direct our paths. He does it. He is faithful, and he has never failed this morning. Man, it's good stuff, good stuff. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And he knows exactly what he's doing. So he does. He does do what he says that he will do. So this is Jude one seventeen. I just want to recap that really quick. He says, but you, friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. So this is what we should be about. They told you in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their un- ungodly desires. These people are the ones creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. But you, dear friends, what should we be about? Building ourselves up in our most holy faith. Iron, sharpening iron together and staying with our eyes exactly where Jesus asked us to keep them. To stay and focus right there in his presence. That we build each other up in our most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Holy Spirit in spite of trouble. And await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. You keep yourself safe in God's love. So this is Psalm 105. We're looking at the big picture, looking at what it says. And I'll break open the beginning of Psalm 105 again. I'm not going to read the whole thing again this time. 
but I'm going to read just the part where we, we're going to get down to the new story that we'll jump into. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. We talked about um, the idea that this is just to kind of take a step back from yourself and say, Self, you will give thanks to the Lord. Even in a moment when I do not feel it, even in a moment where I don't feel like giving thanks, I find this place of gratitude and tell myself, you will give thanks to the Lord today. Call upon his name. I'll call on him. Instead of calling somebody else, instead of reading the news, instead of going somewhere else, all those other outlets that we could run to for um, comfort or some sort of anything, make known his deeds among the people. Call on his name and make his deeds known, not only to myself. Remember who God is and not just remember for yourself, but tell somebody else too. Sing to him. Give him praise. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk ye of his wondrous works, of all his wondrous works, the things that we know that he has already done. He's saying, he's pointing to the fact that we don't forget that. We remember who God is. We remember in the middle of trouble and hardship who he is, what he's done in the past, and understand he does not change. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. And we know that together we are the body of Christ, and we do that that we should be seeking the Lord, and we are those who seek the Lord. So therefore, let our hearts be glad. Let our hearts rejoice, because we are the people who understand who He is. We have been grafted into this family. We have direct access to, the, to, to God because of Jesus. And Harley mentioned that this morning, either in his prayer or as he was speaking, that we can go boldly to the throne of God today, that we can go because of Jesus, and we can make known our requests. And in that, we find grace and mercy to help in a time of need. And this is a time of need. So we go. We go boldly before God's throne, and we let him know what we need. Here, glory in his name. Glory in that fact, in the name of Jesus that we are able to go right into God's presence. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. So not only do I seek the Lord, but I don't move from that place of prayer in my own strength. I don't go to work tomorrow in my own strength. I don't make plans for my family. We don't make plans for the church or um, for, our, for anything that we have control of making plans over. We don't do that in our own strength. We consult the Lord and we move forward in his strength in his strength and in his name. Seek the Lord in his strength. We move forward in him. Seek his face forevermore. There's another tick against that prosperity gospel. We don't want to just seek the hand of God and what he can do. We want to seek his face. We want to know him because he is our God and revealed his love to us. And we turn around and we love him back. We seek his face, not just his hand. Remember his marvelous works. Remember it would be worth it for you right there in your living room or your car, wherever you are today on vacation, to say it to yourself. Remember, remember, remember his marvelous works that he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Oh, you seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth, and he has remembered his covenant forever the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. There is this idea that we should remember the God that we serve and who he is and the character that he's revealed to us. And in that, we don't forget. And then the writer of this psalm is going to say, for example, and then he gives us, he breaks open this history for us to say he's been God before, he'll be God today. Now watch this. Which covenant he made with Abraham. Now this is what we covered last week. This covenant that he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed the same to Jacob for a law. So you see the line that he's going down. It starts with Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. 
he made this everlasting covenant, saying, unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance. We saw that, how God started that process and was faithful to his word to Abraham, but not without hardship, not without trouble, and God did not do it overnight. When they were but a few men in number, yes, very few, and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, from one kingdom to another people. He suffered no man to do them wrong. This is still talking about Abraham when they were a small people. Easily they could have been overtaken by a larger land and made their servants, but God never allowed it to happen. He suffered no man to do them wrong, and he reproved kings for their sake saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land, and he broke the whole staff of bread. This is where we'll pick up today, because the writer of Psalm 105 says, Now turn your eyes from there, go a few generations into the future, and look at this. God is going to call a famine on the land. Who does? Not an accident. He. Who is he? God. God called for a famine upon the land, and he broke the whole staff of bread. So last week we talked about Abraham, and that's where we stopped. So I just want to give you a reminder that last week we talked about it. I showed you clearly there in Genesis where the promise was given, but the promise was fulfilled. It was given and fulfilled in spite of mistakes and failures by the person he gave the promise to, that Abraham was not a perfect man, right? But God used even mistakes and failures to his own advantage for Abraham and for his glory. Even though there was hardship, God fulfilled his promise. And we went through the life of Abraham, that hundred years. And it was not without trouble. And it was not God just saying, okay, we'll do this and doing it the next day. He had to hold on. And by faith, he continued to move. God is faithful. God is faithful in the middle of those hardships. He's faithful and shows himself in the middle of hardship. He shows himself in the middle of our mistakes and failures as God. He revealed himself um, particularly three different ways in the story of Abraham. And the reason I want to show you that again is because I want you to watch for these as we break open a new story. He might not reveal himself exactly as he did to Abraham, right? But you need to under, we have to understand too that God revealed himself one time as something in particular, and that does not change. The theological word for that is immutable. God does not change. So watch for these characteristics as we break open a new story today. El Shaddai, God Almighty, he says, I'm the God that nothing is impossible for, and he called himself El Shaddai. He called himself El Roy. He revealed himself as the God who sees me. He revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. These were places where God himself revealed himself to man, revealed his character. And he says, I am God Almighty who can take care of anything and nothing is beyond my control or power. I'm Elroy. I see you. I see you in your hardship. I see you in your mistakes and failures. I see you completely and I know you, right? This is the God who sees us. God of all creation. I talked about it one time where this is a God who sees us individually. Not that we have one eight billionth of God's attention, but we have his full undivided attention. How does he do that? I don't know. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher, but he does. He sees you in every little thing that ails you. And it says that he cast your cares on him because he cares for you. He knows us, every hair on our head, right? That's straight from scripture. He is the God who sees us individually. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. All through history, God has been faithful. 2020 will be no different. No different. We'll see these characteristics in the new story that we'll hit today. 
So Psalm 105, moving, moving over, God calls for a famine in the land. And it says, moreover, he called for a famine upon the land, and he broke the whole staff of bread. 17, he sent a man before them. I think that's important before we even break open the story, that we enter this story with this in mind, that he, who is he? God. God sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He's already calling out the hardship that Joseph had in his life. But watch this. He was laid to iron. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. His word is God's word. The dreams, if you know Joseph's story, were fulfilled. The word of the Lord tried him, tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. So this week, the next person that this writer points to is Joseph. So we're going to break open the story of Joseph. And the story of Joseph will be very familiar to some of us, but I invite you to go with me and to consider it again and consider the power of the application that is there in Joseph's story for today, for today, for you individually and um, for us collectively. It continues here in Psalm 105. He made him the Lord of his house and the ruler of all his sustenance to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his senators wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham and he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. And this in Psalm 105 will take us to the end of Genesis and uh, which ends in chapter 50. So here today we're going to talk about Joseph. The big picture, looking at the big picture, what is God doing in Joseph's life? Joseph's story takes place over 93 years. I want to emphasize that again from Genesis chapters 37 to 50. You and I can sit down and read Genesis chapter 37 to 50, maybe 30 minutes or however long that it might take you, but you could definitely do it today. You could sit down and read the story from beginning to end. But this is, like Pastor Paul says, these are real people in a real time, in a real place, and this is really happening. And as we read, we have to understand that these things took place over 93 years. Now, Joseph lived to 110. The reason I say 93 years is because we don't meet Joseph in the narrative until he's 17 years old. He's already around, but we don't hear much about him. Joseph is 17 when we first meet him. I wish we could take more time and just break open the whole story of Joseph, but of course, y'all are gonna either go off or like, okay, I'm gonna <laughs> go eat at some point in time, and I could still be talking this afternoon about the story of Joseph. So I've, I've put it in a nutshell for us. Joseph is 17. We first meet him, and he is the favored son, the youngest among his brothers, which causes real family issues. I want to point to the fact, um, and I didn't put it in here because I, it would take too much time to break it open, but God was orchestrating this place of favor that Joseph would have in his father's eyes before he was even born. You need to go back, if you're interested in that, go back to Jacob's story. Go back to his younger life when he's searching for a wife. And then he ends up having to marry two women because he was hoodooed in his first marriage by the father-in-law. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, hopefully I've sparked enough interest where you'll go read it. Um, but I just leave it there where Joseph, um, this whole story of him being favored and God setting things up in his sovereignty happened well before Joseph was even born. So this favoritism that Jacob shows him is very real and causes very real family issues. So this is Genesis 12. I wanted us to, to remember the promise really quick because what we're going to see as we spring into a new story that God didn't just shut everything down and keep on moving. 
He continued his promise to Abraham, remember, because it was to many generations, right? All the earth will be blessed through your line. So God is going to continue to be faithful even after Abraham is gone and we're generations past him now. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. This is the promise. Now, if these people were to be attacked, were to die in some way, you know, God's promise would be null and void because it's only been a, a couple generations since Abraham. Joseph had a dream. Now, this is the personal promise. So you've got this overarching promise with the children of Israel as a whole, which is who we're dealing with in the generations. Then you have this personal promise that comes to Joseph through a dream. So here's where it happens. Genesis 37. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. They hate him. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now he had a dream, another dream that was much like this. So he tells his brothers and, you know, you're going to bow down to me. You can see a little pride sitting in Joseph here and um, a little gloating maybe. And his brother said, man, you're crazy. And it caused them to hate him even more. Right there in scripture, it says they couldn't even speak to Joseph. They hated him so much. So then he tells this other dream that is just like this, means the same thing about the stars, the sun, and the moon. He takes that one to his father, and his father's like, man, you think me and your mom are going to bow down to you? You've lost your mind. That's not exactly how it's worded in the scripture. Um, however, that's the idea that, um, that Jacob shoots back at Joseph. But the scripture does say specifically that it calls Jacob to wonder what those dreams were about, where it calls his brothers to hate him. So there's hardship. God gives this promise. Joseph is working in the middle of this, this generations that are going by of the children of Israel. God gives this promise and God's going to bring it about. He's going to be faithful to what he said for sure. But it is not, again, it is not without hardship. It is not without hardship. Joseph, out of this hate, is sold by his brothers in a foreign land as a slave and led Jacob to believe Joseph was killed by an animal. His brothers take that pretty robe that his father had made for him, put some animal blood on it and said, your son is dead. They led him to believe that he was gone. Joseph is sold into Egypt to Potiphar, who is the captain of, a pal of the palace guard in Egypt. This is Genesis 37. So when you think about this, he's sold to a foreign land. This is a place he doesn't know and likely they speak a different language. He has just been rejected by his own family. He can't run back to his father because he just got sold as a slave. And now he's on the way to a foreign land and he's going to be a slave. Joseph is falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and put into prison. So all these things are going. God gave me a dream. You know, and I think the, the beautiful application to this is the truth that might lie inside of some of us. That we might not go through these exact same things, but think about what Joseph could be thinking here. You know, God gave a dream. I've heard about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He revealed himself as God Almighty who's in control of all things. So why in the world am I in a well? Why did I get sold into slavery? Why am I a slave? Why was I then falsely accused and put into prison? If God revealed himself as El Shaddai, God Almighty, nothing is too hard for him, then why did he allow me to go through all this stuff? I thought I was supposed to be in a place of privilege with my father, a place where my brothers and 
would bow down to me and I would be over them in some way. But here I am on the backside of I don't even know where in obscurity. God, where are you today? Where is El Shaddai? Surely he does not see me. El Roy, I heard Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through this, through this line that you guys called God El Roy. You said that he sees me. He's the God who sees me. Does he? We called him Jehovah Jireh. Back from the moment that Abraham was supposed to sacrifice Isaac. These things are getting passed on in this young man's life, in his mind, in his heart. And now, look where he is. Where's the provider here? Right? All of us can be in those moments. All of us can be in those same places. Joseph then moves on. He interprets the dreams of two prisoners. So we're, all the, we're, we're pretty far into his story here. And there's many years that pass. Joseph is in prison. He's got two guys that come to him. They have a dream. So Joseph interprets those two dreams with a direct connection to Pharaoh. So these two men that he's in prison with, one is the baker in Pharaoh's court, one is the cupbearer. Both of them have direct lines to the Pharaoh. And he's in prison. And the Pharaoh in Egypt can do whatever he wants to. So Joseph has this idea in his mind. You know, he goes to God. He asks God what the dreams are about. God gives him the ability to interpret these dreams. And the cupbearer to Pharaoh lives, and he's released. Now, the baker, the interpretation of that dream is that he would be executed, and he was. So the cupbearer is released, and then Joseph asks that cupbearer to remember him when he has an audience before Pharaoh. He forgets. He doesn't mention him for two years. Here's this glimmer of hope. That maybe I'm thinking God provided a way for me to interpret a dream. Now this guy is going to get before Pharaoh and he's going to remember me. Nope. Two years go by. And the scripture says plainly that this cupbearer forgot all about Joseph. Forgot him. He's still in prison. Hardship. Pharaoh has two dreams. Two years later, he needs an interpretation. And then the cupbearer develops a memory. Two years later. And... He has two dreams, the Pharaoh does, and he needs to know what these are about. They are troubling him to no end. So Joseph, again, he goes to God after the cupbearer develops a memory. Joseph finds himself before Pharaoh, and then he's able to interpret these dreams. Now, if you know this story, you know that these dreams meant that there was going to be seven years where there's more than enough food. More, so much food, you don't even know what to do with it all. But then in the next seven years, there's going to be a famine so hard that people will die. So, Joseph rises to power in Egypt. But that rise to power was only after 13 years as a slave and a prisoner. He went from a favored son to a slave and a prisoner. And I want you to take a second and think about what 13 years means. To some of us who have gotten a little older, maybe that's not that much time, but I don't care who you are. 13 years is a long time. It's a long time. Try to think, where was I 13 years ago? What was I doing? How old was I? It's like a different life. I don't know about for y'all, but if I go back 13 years, um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a different life. It's a different world. And to spend all of that time as a slave and a prisoner, right? So he rises to power 
in Egypt, but after 13 years as a slave and a prisoner, because the Pharaoh is going to look at Joseph and say, you know, you had the wisdom enough to come up with this plan to save back food, and so we would have enough during the famine, so I'm going to put you to it. I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to let you do what you need to do to make that happen, and he becomes second in command of all of Egypt, and that is a big deal, but he's still away from his family. Again, God is faithful. Remember this as we go through the next phase. El Shaddai, he is God Almighty in the middle of hardship. He is. He is God Almighty, and nothing is beyond his control. He is sovereign. El Roy, the God who sees me, he does see you exactly where you are, even in the middle of hardship. He does provide for us, even in the middle of hardship and in the middle of the most difficult moments and spots of our lives. And this thing, God, we don't always get to see exactly what God is doing. We might pass away and still not understand everything that came through our lives. But this is a beautiful picture of somebody who is able to see, at least in the beginning of their lives, what God was up to. Joseph is in a well. God is faithful. God is faithful. Now, we know that his brothers threw him in a well. Now, watch this. As they sat down, they are his brothers. They have thrown him in a well, and their absolute intention is to kill him. They're going to kill him. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. I do not believe by any stretch that these traders, right, people who would trade and go sell things, came by at that right, at just that moment by accident. It wasn't pretty, you know. It wasn't ideal, but God's doing something. So in the middle of that, right, here come these slave traders, here come these people who are going to sell and they say, you know what? Let's not kill him. Let's just sell him to those guys. God spared his life in that. 39, Joseph is in slavery. And God is faithful in the middle of his slavery. Listen to this. This is Genesis 39. It starts at verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. He never left Joseph. It was ugly He's a slave. He lost his father that he loved so much and that his father favored him above all his other, other sons. And he might not have even had the power to see that God was with him yet. The scripture plainly says the Lord was with Joseph. So then even in this ugliness as a slave, he succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Now watch this. Potiphar, this is the Egyptian master, noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. And this pleased Potiphar, so he put Joseph, made him his personal attendant and put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. God is faithful in the middle of our hardship. Joseph is in slavery. Again, from the day that Joseph was put in charge of Potiphar's house and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. Just for Joseph's sake, he blessed this household that was likely completely godless. The Egyptians at this moment were not God-fearing people. But he blessed Potiphar's house just because of Joseph. It's like the arms, the hands of God himself were wrapping Joseph right there in the middle of this. And he's doing something. He's doing something. All his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything that he owned. With Joseph there in his house, 
He didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Because of God's blessing on Joseph, it blessed Potiphar's life, where he didn't have to worry about anything. Joseph took care of it because God was taking care of Joseph. God is faithful. Joseph is then falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, gets thrown into prison. And now here we go again. Like, God, is there any break in this, you know, (laughs) to, to think about? But the Lord was with Joseph. Y'all, I didn't make that up. I didn't put that in there for something cool to say on a Sunday morning. This is straight scripture. Again, later in the story, Genesis 39, he's thrown into prison. And the scripture says specifically, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Guys, if you feel like you're in that prison, if you feel like you are in an ugly spot, look for God. Look for him, because in the middle of that prison, he showed him his faithful love. In the middle of this ugly black line that might be put in the middle of our canvas right now, whether it's a country, whether it's your family, no matter what it is, look for him. He will reveal himself to those who seek him. He does it. He is a rewarder, the Bible says, of those who diligently, earnestly seek his face. He rewards us. He shows us in the middle of our trouble, in the middle of the ugliness. He shows us his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Long, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of the other prisoners over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything that he did to succeed. That is our God. Psalm 105. He called for a famine on the land. Now again, this is God who called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. So you're looking at the story of a 17-year-old Joseph, and you're looking at a God who nothing is beyond his control, and he sees what's about to happen. He knows that he's about to send a famine all these years later, and he plucks Joseph out out of the middle of the children of Israel, and he plucks him for a reason. He is doing something, and he's going to deliver. He's going to save the entire Israelite people through Joseph's hardship. But when he's going through the hardship, you don't see that. You don't know that. God, what are you doing? But he is God and he knows exactly what he's doing. And being able to read Psalm 105 and to consider who God has been all through history should cause us to do the same thing. He's been faithful before. He's always shown himself as a God who knows what he's doing and a God who is faithful to his own. And he's not any different today. He sent He sent, God sent Joseph to Egypt ahead of them, and he was sold as a slave. Number 19, until the time came, this is a little different of a version from the beginning, to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Do you see what just happened there? These 13 years of ugliness. God showed his faithfulness to Joseph. But he was also doing something very important in the life of Joseph and in the character of Joseph before he would take the position that God knew that he would take. God was preparing him for what he had for him later on through these hardships. It's right here in Scripture. Number 19 of Psalm 105. Until the time came for God's promise of that dream to be fulfilled, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Let us submit. Nothing has come through the fabric of our lives that God didn't know about. And none of those things, 
I believe in God's economy, are useless. We gotta trust him though. We've got to attune ourselves to scripture, attune ourselves to who God is so that in the middle of ugliness, we don't get lost. Joseph goes from prison to power in a day. So the cupbearer develops a memory and then he goes before Pharaoh and all this stuff happens in a day. A ring is put on his finger. He's got this necklace. He's second in command. Nobody is above Joseph in Egypt except the Pharaoh himself. When the famine strikes, his brothers do bow to Joseph. God fulfilled this promise. It didn't make sense a long time ago, but it makes a whole lot of sense now. All these years later, it does happen. God's people, the Israelites, were going to starve and die. But God sent Joseph ahead of them. His brothers come, they don't even know who he is, and they bow down to him, and they, they're looking for food. Joseph and the Israelites are saved and favored because of Joseph's position. So God shows himself faithful to Joseph personally and faithful to the overarching promise that he gave to the children of Israel in Abraham's day. It ought not surprise us when God comes through in these days. Because he's done it over and over and over and over again. God reveals, this is beautiful, the bigger picture. He reveals that beautiful mountain landscape to Joseph. And you can see it to Joseph, in Joseph's words to his brothers. Now I want you to think about, now my dad loved me best. My brothers sold me off and left me for dead. And I have had 13 years initially to think about that. Then I was given a spot of power, seven good years, and there's nobody above him except Pharaoh. He's calling the shots in the land of Egypt. And then two more years come. He's had all this time to think about it. And he's had about nine years in power to think about it. And you know stuff like that don't just go away. You know? I can't help but think maybe Joseph thought, I'm second in command of Egypt. If I ever saw those people again, if I ever saw my brothers again, like you understand the kind of power that Joseph had. You go back and look how the baker while he was in prison died and what kind of executions would be at Joseph's disposal if he wanted them. It could have been real ugly for these men. Listen to the heart of Joseph. He tuned his ear, I believe, to the Spirit of God. And listen to what he says. This is, these are Joseph's words. He meets his brothers. His brothers come and they need food. Now he plays around with them a little bit. But at the end of the day, here's what he says. Please come closer. His brothers are gathered with him. He says, come closer. So they came closer and he said, I am Joseph, your brother. He reveals who he is. Because they didn't, they didn't recognize him. Who you sold into slavery in Egypt. So off with your heads. That's not what it says. Watch this. But don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Listen to the resolve in Joseph's voice here. It was God. He has this realization. He allows the Spirit of the Lord to speak into the situation of hardship. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. 
This famine has ravaged the land for two years and it will last five more. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. He let it go. Can I just encourage you, if you got stuff inside of you like many of us can against somebody else, let it go. Because there's no telling what God might do with your pain. There's no telling what God might be up to in the story of your own life. Let it go and look for God's purpose in it. God sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen, just outside of Egypt, where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds. So God didn't just take care of the children of Israel in the famine. He set them up to be favored in the famine and have everything that they need. I will take care of you there, Joseph says, for there will still be five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you and your household and all your animals will starve. This is Psalm 105. God called for a famine. God used Joseph's ugliness and he prepared him. He prepared him. God can give us peace too. And I've got to quit. So I'm going to get to this. I could not help when I was just pouring over this study and, and reading into this story, but to think at the end of, not at the end of his life, but in this moment in Joseph's life, I couldn't help but hear Philippians chapter 4 so quickly. I believe that the scripture gives us through the Apostle Paul to the Philippian church a formula for how do we find peace in the middle of hardship? How do we find joy in the middle of hardship? How do we do that? And I believe it is. There's not often a formula that you can say X, Y, and Z, but it's here, y'all. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. And remember the Lord is coming. He is our soon coming King. Let's not forget that. Don't worry about anything. Here, here's, here, here, the thing, here it is. It's A plus B plus C equals peace. Watch this. Do not worry about anything. Don't worry. Instead of worrying... Pray about everything. This is not telling us that worry will not rise up. This is not telling us that fear will not rise up. But what he's saying here is don't take that thing and just worry about it. Take that thing and instead give it to the Lord. Take it to prayer. Don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Be outright with him. What do you need? Tell him God and thank Tell him what you need and thank him for all he's done. Find a spot of gratitude and remember, just like Psalm 105 is telling us to do, who God has been in the past and thank him for it. Remember and remind yourself to thank God for who he's already been in the past. And in that, that thankfulness, that gratitude is not for God necessarily, but it's for you that you remember. We serve a God that does not change, a God that cannot fail. Yes? And in that gratitude, we remember who God is and we express our thanks for him. Don't worry. Instead, pray and find a spot of gratitude toward the Lord. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he has done. Then, in that moment, we experience this peace. When we rest in him, when we rest in his sovereignty, when we understand who God is throughout the ages, then his peace 
that peace that exceeds anything that we can understand. That peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. Now, fix your thoughts on these things. What is true, honorable, right, and pure, lovely, and admirable? Think about those things that are excellent, that are worthy of praise, and keep putting into practice. He just showed us a lifestyle. When worry rises, we take it to prayer. We find a place of gratitude and God's peace will infiltrate our worry and our fear, right? God's peace infiltrates our lives when we will live that lifestyle. Worry rises, but we take it to prayer. Oh, what peace, the song says. Remember, we often forfeit when we do not take everything to the Lord in prayer. Um, keep putting into practice all that you know. The God of peace will be with you. He is faithful. There's a big picture happening in the world around us. God knows exactly what he's doing. He's on his throne. He has not lost control. As according to Psalm 105, he's always been God and he always will be. Amen? Yeah, and he will always be um, God. He will always be God and he will not leave us. And he is sovereign. He knows exactly what he's doing. So therefore, soul. Give thanks to the Lord. Proclaim his greatness. Remember him. Let the whole world know what he's done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds and exalt him in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and seek for his strength. Continually, continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed. We're going to move on. There's just one more point that I want to make, and that is the only way that you will ever have peace with our Creator God is through the person of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Him, if you feel like you are not at peace with God, if you're unsure of your salvation, there's one thing that is very clear, and that is that at the end of this life, there's one of two final destinations. And we want to make sure that that's a positive experience for you, and the only way to do that is through Jesus Himself. If you don't know Him, please reach out to a member of our staff. Let us walk you through the scripture. Let us show you the plan of salvation and let us um, help you to get peace with the Lord. Otherwise, if you do know the Lord, but you are struggling and you don't have peace in your heart with the world around you, what's going on? Also, you reach out to a member of our staff. Our emails are there. Our phone numbers are there on the website. Please use us as a resource. We're gonna go to the Lord in prayer and thank him for his word. Um, Dr. Miller is going to come with announcements and our prayer requests um, and show you how to give. So I'll be gone in just a second. I hope you all have a great week and we rest in the sovereignty of the Lord. Let's go to him. God, thank you for who you are. Not just for what you do, but God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness in every story across every generation of people. God, you are, you are awesome. You are immutable. You do never change and you never fail. So God, we just find a place of gratitude for who you are and all that you've already done. God, I pray that you would help faith to rise in our hearts and rise in our minds to know who you are and to stand on that solid rock, that solid foundation and continue through this week in your presence, confidently knowing who you are and what you can do and that you are God, you are sovereign. And we just wanna submit to you, submit to your plan, submit to your way. Lord, you have given us free will. Lord, give us the desire, the complete desire to turn around and give that free will back to you. Lord, you lead, you guide, and Lord, help us to trust you um, without any kind of border, without any kind of limitation. Lord, help us to trust you and to know that you are God, that you are good. You're on your throne in control. So Lord, we just submit to you and thank you for being our God, for being so loving and so kind. And thank you again that we can easily and boldly come before your throne because you already made the sacrifice that is necessary for us to be able to do it. Lord, thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jason, for a tremendous.